can tell you there is not a testimony without a test. You don't receive a healing unless you're facing some type of sickness or some type of affirmity. Hallelujah. But we can change that. We can take that sickness. We can hold on to the promises of God. And we can cause that test to become a testimony of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Lord, it's good to be with you this morning. I've entitled the message on the subject of healing. And I know that there's a, a great need in our world, in our nation for, for healing. And we know that according to scripture in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, this is a promise that God gives to his children that we can be healed by the stripes that Jesus, when he, when he um, died on the cross. And we know that he was wounded for our transgressions. When Jesus died, when he bore those stripes, when, when, he, when he gave his life, he paid the price to purchase our salvation. He paid the price that we could be healed in our bodies, in our minds, and in our spirits. And this is a promise that he gives to us that we can claim as children of God. In, in the book of Matthew 11 and 12, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I remember when I was just starting out and reading scripture, and I'd read that, and i think, well, I couldn't imagine that there's violence in heaven. But over time, I have learned that it's not talking about evil, but what it's talking about is people that have a boldness, that have a tenacity to, to claim hold of the Word of God, to look at a scripture and to believe God that, God, that what God says that He will do, that they have a boldness and a tenacity to claim the Word of God and say, that's mine, that's my scripture, that's my promise. I'm going to hold on to the Word of God till I see the completion of the fulfillment of God's word in my life. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about the whole armor of God. And I know many of you are probably familiar with that scripture, but sometimes I think people forget that when he talks about armor and, and putting on the whole armor of God, that it implies that there is going to be a battle. Scripture teaches us that the enemy comes but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. The enemy does not want you to walk into the promises of God. God has given these promises, but I want you to know ahead of time that there would be a battle before you ever get started into claiming the promises. When God gave the children of Israel a promise that they would inherit the promised land, they, you know, they should have known that there would have been a battle. And when they got just on the verge of receiving those promises, the scripture said that they had to face giants. Sometimes when our tests and our trials become the most difficult, it's when we were just on the verge of receiving that promise and walking into the promised land into the promises that God has given us. But Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, so he, he tells us that, that you're going to have a battle, but he gives us the armor that we need. He gives us that provision before the battle ever gets here. He tells us what we need to withstand the, the trial and the test. But he says, having done all to stand, he says, stand. Amen. So when you've done all that you feel like you can do in the natural, when you've done all that you feel like you can do, and it seems like you, you can't hardly stand, the scripture says stand. Just keep on standing on the promises of God. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, he talks about taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he gives us these tools and he tells us how to come against the attacks of the enemy. Because when you're believing God for healing or, or a miracle, the enemy, I can promise you, he will come and say, you're not going to get that miracle. You're not going to get healed. And he'll bring a, a whole host of reasons to your mind why you shouldn't receive that. But it's at those times that we just have to hold on and say, it doesn't matter what the enemy is saying to me. That promise is mine, and I'm going to receive the promise of God. So what I want to talk to you this morning about is some stumbling blocks that the enemy tries to throw in our way to keep us from receiving a healing from the Lord. And so the first one I wanted to deal with is the subject of sin. Now, the enemy will, will always come and say, you know, you've messed up. You have sinned. You know, because of this sin, you're not going to be healed. Or because of this sin, you're sick. And, and, and that's the reason that you're facing this. And he will take that and try to use it against you and try to create a stumbling block and, and to keep you from entering into the promises of God. So we're going to deal with the subject of sin. First of all, John, First John 2 and 1 says, my little children, these things are right to you so that you don't sin. In other words, God doesn't want you to sin. He, but he gives us a provision here. He says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So here's what happens. You know, the scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you're a Christian and you're trying to live for the Lord and you're trying to do the things that are right, I can promise you at some point you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. And there will be times that you need to come to God and ask for forgiveness. So what we do, just ask God immediately. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I've messed up. You know, Lord, forgive me. God, and, and just let him know that, um, that you want to be forgiven. And God forgives you immediately. 
Amen. The moment you sincerely and with your, your whole heart ask God to forgive you, he, he forgives you immediately, and he doesn't hold a grudge. Amen. He doesn't say, well, now you've sinned, but now I'm not going to do anything for you now for the next six weeks because you've messed up. No, the moment that we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven. Why? Because Scripture says that we are forgiven, and we can claim that, and, and even though you may not feel like it, even though the enemy may come back and, and, and remind you of what you have done, in God's eyes, you are forgiven and it is over with. How long does it take you to forgive a child that comes to you and says, Mom or Dad, I'm sorry, I messed up? Do you hold a grudge against that child? Do you say, No, now you, now you I'm not going to love you anymore because you messed up? No, you forgive that child immediately. And you pick that child up, and you put that child in your arms, and, and you, you teach that child, and you work with that child to, to help it so that it doesn't make mistakes. But God does not hold a grudge. Scripture says that he takes our sins, our, our, our mess-ups, and he removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. And if, you, if, you're, if you're traveling east, you will never reach the west. And that's how far God takes our sins from us. And we can claim that. We can have that promise that, that don't let the enemy take your mess-ups or take your sin or something you've done wrong and, and, and hold that out there and say, you can't be healed because of this. Because by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Amen. So he removes those sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And in John 9, 1 and 3, Jesus talks about this particular subject. And, and I love how Jesus deals with it. And it's, it goes like this. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents that he was born blind so they automatically made the assumption that somebody had sinned and that is why this person was born blind that's why this person has this affirmity in his body and so they they asked jesus well who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and i love jesus's answer jesus answered said Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Hallelujah. I can tell you there is not a testimony without a test. You don't receive a healing unless you're facing some type of sickness or some type of affirmity. Hallelujah. But we can change that. We can take that sickness. We can hold on to the promises of God. And we can cause that test to become a testimony of the healing power of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, most gladly, I'd rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So what he's talking about here, he's, he saw his, uh, his infirmities. He saw his weaknesses. He, he, he saw his, any type of sickness as an opportunity to see the power of Christ in his life amen hallelujah so don't let sin be a stumbling block to receiving your healing another subject is is on, un, on is um, unbelief and doubt and in mark 9 21 it says and so he asked his father 
this is Jesus is talking to this man who has a son that that has a sickness. And so Jesus is asking the father, he says, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And how and often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This particular child was, was uh, possessed. He had some, some condition going on in him. And, and, and it would throw into the fire, into the water, and it's trying to destroy this child. But this father came to Jesus on behalf of his son and was seeking God. And, and he knew that Jesus could save, heal, deliver, whatever this child needed. And so he's asking Jesus for help. And so Jesus answers, and, and Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And sometimes that just needs to be a prayer that we pray in, in, you know, God, I'm holding on to your word. I'm holding on to your scriptures. God, you put this promise in your word, and that promise is for me. And I'm believing for that, God, but I need you to help my unbelief. Amen. Romans 12 and 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. So you can have confidence that God has given you a measure of faith. And I can tell you that faith is like a muscle. If, if, you, if your faith stays dormant, I mean, you've got faith and you're saved and, and that faith just kind of stays at that level, it doesn't grow. But if you exercise your faith, when you believe God for a promise, when you hold on to the promises of God, when you pray and ask the Lord and you see the, the answers to those prayers, when you see God working on someone, on, for your, on someone for their behalf, and it's an answer to prayer, when you, when you see God answering those prayers, then your faith becomes stronger. We need to utilize our faith. So what is faith? It's, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is a decision. It's not a feeling. Now, I love a feeling. I love to enter into the presence of God. I love to know that God is with me. I love to know that, that God's anointing and his presence is with me. And that is awesome. But feeling and, and faith are not necessarily always connected because you have to hold on to, to the promises of God regardless of how you feel. Because God's word is true, it doesn't matter. When I, when I don't feel it, he's still working on my behalf. He is still fulfilling his promises. Amen. Your faith has to supersede your feeling. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to, your faith to grow, you need to be hearing from God. You need to be studying the word. You need, you need to the, listen to the voice of the spirit. And in Romans 4 and 18, it says, it's talking about Abraham who had believed God for his son Isaac. 
And, and he's talking about Abraham, and he said, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. In other, words, in other words, he had no reason to believe because at this point, it was impossible in the natural for them to have a child. It says, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he did not waver the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. So, so I can promise you, when you're holding on to a promise of God, when you're believing God for that miracle, when you're believing God for that healing, that there will be times that you might feel like God is a million miles away. Amen. You're not feeling that, that wonderful faith on the inside of you. But it's at those times you need to just lift up your hands and begin to speak the word of God over your situation. You need to just lift up your hands and just begin to verbally glorify God and thank him for his healing and thank him for fulfilling the word of God in your life and thank him for, for giving you that miracle because I can promise you it will strengthen your faith. The words that come out of your mouth will go back and come down into your spirit and will cause your faith to be strengthened and give God the glory. And it goes on to say that, that Abraham says that he was fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform and it was accounted to him for right, for righteousness. Amen. But I, I love radical, passionate praise because it changes our focus off of our problem. It changes our focus off of the fact that we need a healing. It, cha it changes the focus off of the pain that we're going through. And it puts our focus on him. The one that can solve those problems. The one that can can heal this body that he is the healer amen we need to change our focus from what we're going through to jesus the one that can answer all those problems and then the, last of all the enemy will come to you and tell you you're not good enough now i don't know if you've ever had that to come to you but i know i have the enemy say you know there's so many people that that are so much better they do more good things than you do they're they're you know, they just excel where you're at on every level. And, and so he comes to you and says, you know, well, you're not good enough. God only heals good people. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Let me settle that issue because you're not good enough. Amen. I'm going to sell that for you because it's not because of some good deed or some action that you have done because it's not based on your goodness. Jesus said there's nobody good but God, but it's, but it, but the healing comes not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he bore those stripes. Amen. It's because of his goodness. And when God fulfills those promises in your life, then you have a testimony through your test, and God is glorified. Hallelujah. And I'll end with this. In 1 Peter 2 and 24, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live in righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And that word is past tense. It's a completed work. It's already done, and all we have to do is claim hold of, on those promises. And, I'll, and so at this point, I just want to say a prayer for you. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed. And Father, I know there are people that are listening that are in need of healing in their bodies. And Lord, we declare that the presence of your Holy Ghost and power go forth and minister healing. I believe healing and miracles, Father God. Lord, and that your presence be with them. And we declare your word that in through all of this, Father, through all that, that we're going through, God, we lift you up and we give you a testimony of your healing power. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.